money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. Welcome everybody. We're going to be getting started shortly. We have uh, people still coming. We do expect a full house tonight. So uh, for you guys in the far back, you might want to come forward a little bit because we're probably going to have a full house tonight. Uh, we have a full forecast. And um, welcome to the uh, the Texas RIAs. Um, my name's Phil Grove. I'm one of the co-founders of the Texas RIAs. The Texas RIAs is the largest by far network of real estate investor associations in the great state of Texas, over 100,000 members and participants and attendees since 2003. So we have been a network for uh, 20 years now. And we do provide lots of resources for Texas real estate investors or people that want to be Texas real estate investors, uh, including uh, training and market updates, or after you're going to do a market update uh, and training tools, resources, money, uh, just about everything you ever want to uh, invest in Texas real estate. So while we're waiting for people to show up, um, we're going to have kind of a little warm up conversation, I guess you could say. And uh, I'm going to walk around a little bit and see what brings you guys out tonight. I'm going to pick on you, Deborah. What brings you out tonight? What are you What are you hoping to learn? Funding. Are you doing anything now? Are you doing it yet? You're doing wholesaling. Okay. And uh, just out of curiosity, why are you doing, why are you doing wholesaling? Oh. Of, of, of some other career. <laughs> You're too young to have the end of some career, but whatever. <laughs> All right. So would you say your interest is to maybe replace your income? Was that your more or less immediate interest? Um, great. Well, I mean, I love real estate and we do active, passive, we do commercial, we do residential. So we do it all and it's all good. Um, to me, it just solves different problems. So a lot of times when I ask somebody who comes here, like, what are you coming here for? I'm trying to figure out like what problem it is you're trying to solve, right? So like you said, well, I think what I want to do is replace my income, supplement my income or create a new income stream. And I would say, you know, active, passive, commercial, residential, probably the fastest thing you can do to replace your income is to flip houses. You know, uh, commercial is great, takes time. Uh, commercial is great for making money with money. Uh, residential is great for making money with or without money, and it doesn't take as much time. So it's probably the easiest thing to do to replace an income if that's your goal. Um, I'm also a big fan of rental properties. I own a lot of rental properties, and uh, that's a great way to, it's a great long-term wealth strategy. Now, you also mentioned something else, though, and I'm going to kind of dive in for your benefit and everybody else's. You know, you said wholesaling. A lot of people get started investing in wholesaling, and I always say wholesaling arguably is the easiest thing to understand, the easiest thing to, to teach. But I would also argue at the same time, it's probably the hardest thing to do that makes on average the least amount of money. So when somebody tells me I want to get started wholesaling, I always hear I want to do the hardest thing there is to do that makes the least amount of money. So uh, you're just thinking it's easy and it's no risk. Is that it? Okay, but it's no risk, obviously. There's no risk. Okay. So I'm going to teach you tonight. We're going to do some training 
uh, like eight other strategies that are also no, no risk, no money, no risk strategies. And uh, I'm going to encourage you, use them all. Use them all. I mean, wholesaling is a neat tool to put in your tool belt, but let's fill out the rest of the tool belt with a whole bunch of other cool strategies that are also no, no money, no risk strategies. I use 12 strategies. Uh, three of them require money. Nine of them don't require money, and they're all good, right? And, you know, when you do the strategies that require money, the trick is use other people's money because it scales up, right? And whether you have money or not, nobody has enough. The truth is nobody has enough, right? Like you have half a million dollars in your checking account, you, you, you buy a house and you're done, right? And now you can't buy another house until you sell that house. So you have to learn and be comfortable using other people's money, whether you have money or not. But you also want to learn all the strategies, including all the no money strategies, because they, they, they scales you up. And then there's just a way to make money with every lead, with every uh, opportunity. So thank you for coming out tonight. Look forward to uh, having you. So um, we're just kind of getting warmed up, folks. Um, the main presentation meeting will start shortly. We do expect a full house tonight, um, but we're going to have kind of an early show conversation. So uh, while we're sitting here, I'm going to pick on you. Kurt, I can see your name tag. What brings you out, Kurt? What are you, what are you here to do? Okay. So do you do it for a company or do you do it for yourself? So you've made a lot of people a lot of money. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. It's one of our advanced strategies. Oh, far out. It works, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you made a little money flipping a house, you know. So, you know, uh, just buying and reselling and everything goes up over time, right? So, you know, uh, one strategy is to own a lot of real estate for a long time and you're going to make money. Um, I've been buying rental properties for 30 years. Uh, I now own $30 million worth of, I'm sorry, for 20 years, but I now own $30 million worth of houses just because I've been doing it for 20 years and some of the houses have doubled and some have doubled and doubled and some have doubled, 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 right? And, and the tenants paid off a lot of the mortgages. So, a uh, great long-term wealth strategy, right? And then we use a lot of strategies to generate income. So kind of the same question I asked Deborah, what would you say your immediate uh, goal is? To make money with money, to create a new income stream, or yeah, make money without money. So um, here's what I know is going to happen next year. Something different than now. Uh, you know, uh, we're actually going to do a forecast and it's, it's, it's not as tricky to forecast real estate as so many other things because it's all supply and demand, right? Uh, the stock market, you can't predict the economy pretty hard, right? Real estate is not that hard only because we know how many people are having babies. We know how many houses we have. We know how many houses we're building. Uh, we know how many people are moving here. So we know exactly how many houses we need and we know exactly how many houses we have. And because the supply and demand is pretty quantifiable, predicting where it's going is not as complex as guessing where the stock market's going, for example. And we're going to go through some pretty detailed market data. But I'll also say that, you know, my secret of building wealth over 20 years is dollar cost averaging. I just keep buying and holding and buying and holding and buying and holding. And, you know, some years are a little down, some years are up, some years are way up, right? Um, but if you own a lot of property for a long time, you know, over time, everything goes up. You know, have you owned your house for the last three years? Much longer than that. So you're a lot richer than you were three years ago. Yeah, exactly. And that's nice, right? What if you had 20? Okay, what if you had 200, right? And you can't go back, but you can do anything you want going forward. And then you, you mentioned subject two. We'll get into that a little bit tonight. That's one of my specialties. But it's a great way to pick up property, even with little or no money and no credit, right? So 
people are feeling like, oh, I wish I could have gotten uh, one of those 3% mortgages. Where'd the 3% mortgages go? And the answer is they're still available. Did you all know that? Yeah, in fact, they're better than ever. Now you can get a 3% mortgage and you don't even have to qualify for it. Does that sound pretty good? Who would like to buy some rental properties, get a 3% uh, mortgage and not have to qualify for a loan? Who would like to do that? Okay, we're gonna learn exactly how to do that tonight. Okay, so that's one of our little tricks. Uh, so, and we're gonna go through lots of other strategies um, to, to, to do this, making money without money. And I always say, whether you have money or not, you don't have enough. I don't have enough. Nobody has enough, right? Because it doesn't scale. When somebody has half a million dollars in your checking account, you go buy a house and now you're done. <laughs> Until you sell that house, you can't buy another house. So whether you have money or not, and this is kind of a lesson for everybody, you have to learn how to do it with no money uh, because it's the only way it scales. And you have to get comfortable using other people's money. Uh, and if the deal cannot afford the interest for borrowing somebody else's money, then what would I say about the deal? I'd say the deal sucks, right? So go get a better deal. And, and, and one thing I do and I teach is spend 85% of your time looking for the deal. And if you're spending 85% of your time and money looking for the deal, on marketing looking for the deal, you're gonna have plenty of good deals so you can afford to pay the interest to borrow the money. If you're willing to pay interest to borrow money, you can borrow an unlimited amount of money. So now you have unlimited deals funded with unlimited money, okay? And that's, that's how you scale this up. That's how you, you get wealthy. So welcome everybody. Thank you, glad to have you, Kurt. I'm just kind of walking around and saying hi to everybody. Uh, Randy, I'm gonna pick on you. What brings you out tonight? Creative financing, I love creative financing. So anything in particular, are you doing anything yet? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I know a lot about subject two, so we're gonna talk a lot about that, so that's cool. So um, have you done any deals yet or just kind of ramping up? Yes, ramping up. And, and Kind of like the question I asked before, what would you say your goal is? What, what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish over the next year? Buy a couple rental properties. Okay, get some systems in place, get some rental properties. Do you wanna replace your income or generate income? Okay, maybe replace your job. Okay, great. What do you do? IT, IT. okay, I'm an engineer, so <laughs> I, have, I have a lot of IT and engineer followers, uh, so uh, I'm kind of the Pied Piper of uh, the left-brainers. So, um, yeah, and you know, my advice for the IT and left brain engineers is we tend to overthink, uh, you know, engineers tend to be ready, aim, 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 fire. The right brainers are more ready, fire, aim, right? So you gotta not overthink, right? And, uh, you know, um, just for example, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, when you find a deal, if you even think it's a deal, get it under contract, okay? and always get under contract. And the left-brainers are not comfortable doing this because they're like, oh, well, you know, what if there's something wrong with the numbers don't work? Just get it under contract uh, because you can always terminate the contract. You can always renegotiate the contract. And it's actually easier to renegotiate than it is to negotiate, right? You can always sell the contract to somebody else, right? And, and the left-brainers just always overthink. And the left-brainers kind of are the plane that takes a long time to take off. Now, once they take off, they take off, right? Left brainers are really good at systems and processes and rent to repeat. And you know, once they get their systems and processes together, boy, they they fly. But they take forever to get off the runway because you're just over overthinking something. And I'll give you an example: um, two investors walk into a house, and um, left brainer, right brainer, right? Left brain engineer. The first one's kind of a left brainer, and uh, walks into the house, 
and knows about what the house is worth, right? And knows about what the repairs are, knows about what the offer should be. And uh, the homeowner walks up and says, I want 95000 okay? So the left-brainer is going to say what? What would you probably say? I want 95000 What are you going to say? What's well, the least amount you'd take? Yeah, you might ask that. 95000 So what are you going to say now? I'll tell you what usually the left-brainer will say. Usually the left-brainer will say, let me run some numbers. Let me run some numbers. Let me get right back to you. So the left-brainer says, let me run some numbers. Let me go right back to you. Runs back to their house to run some numbers, right? Uh, and then 20 minutes later, a right-brainer, right, walks into the same deal and has the same information, knows about what it's worth, knows about what the repairs are, knows what's about the, what the offer is. And uh, the homeowner comes up and says, I want 95000 And the right-brainer, without much hesitation, pulls out a contract and says, okay, here's an offer for 95000 They got it under contract for 95000 Now, the left-brainer runs back to their office, and they run all their numbers, and you know what? Ninety-five is not going to work. It is not going to work. That's what they were worried about. The most they can really pay is 87. So they run back over to the homeowner and they say, you know, good news, bad news. I could buy your house, but the most I could give you is 87. What does the homeowner say? Snooze, you lose, buddy. I already got 95. Now the right brainer then runs back to their office and they run all the numbers and you know what? 95 is not going to work, right? The most they could pay is really 87. So at the, at the, at the end of their option period, they go back to the homeowner. And they say, I got some good news, I got some bad news. Good news is I can still buy your house. The bad news is the most I can give you is 87. So now the homeowner has a choice, right? He can say no and go back to the other guy. Well, the other guy only offered me 87. For all I know, he'll try to get me down to 77. Or you can say, yes, you take your 87 close tomorrow because like the closing's the next day. So, okay, I'll take 87. And that's why we always say it's better to just get it under contract. It's easier to renegotiate than it is to negotiate. Close is close enough when it comes to the numbers. And the left-brainers, if they can just kind of get comfortable getting close without perfect, um, they can move a little faster. They can move a little faster. But I love IT guys, so welcome. Glad to have you. So hi, everybody. Um, I'm Phil Grover doing a warm-up conversation. Uh, our regular presentation will start shortly. Um, we're actually broadcasting tonight, if you're wondering what all this gear here is uh, as well, as so we got cameras and we're broadcasting. Um, I'm just kind of going around and introducing myself. I'm one of the co-founders of the Texas RIAs. The Texas RIAs is the largest by far network of real estate investor associations across the state of Texas. Over 100,000 members, participants, and attendees since 2003. So, welcome. Um, Mike, I'm going to pick on you right now. What brings you out, Mike? Just checking it out. Well, most of you guys are just checking it out. What what would you say your goal is for real estate for the next year? Have you thought about like what what would you like real estate to do for you? Make some money. Okay, so supplement your income. Uh, short term or long term? Long term. Long term. Okay. Do you want to make money with money or do you want to make money without money? Without money. Okay. Buy rental properties. Easy. Easy. Um, everybody, in my opinion, should buy rental properties. There are ways to buy rental properties, we're going to talk about it tonight, that even require little or no money and little or no credit. So you can acquire rental properties, contrary to popular belief, you can acquire rental properties even with little or no money and no credit. Rental properties over time is the best long-term wealth play, okay? It, it, they, they, they double in value and tenants pay off the debt, right? So it's really awesome, right, to own rental properties over time. And I would recommend everybody, uh, you know, buy rental properties. Now, I will say, um, 
there's many other things you can do. You can generate income, flip houses, you can make money with money. Like if you told me, my problem is I have uh, $500,000 or $50,000 or some pile of money, and I just want to do something to double it. I would say the best way to double your money passively uh, would be investing in commercial syndications. That's another thing we do. You put 50000 in, you get 100000 back, and you learn how it works while making money with your money. So twice the return of the stock market with half the risk. Once people learn about commercial syndications, they never go back uh, to the stock market. Um, rental properties, what would I say? Rental properties are awesome, but uh, we'll go off on a little tangent here. Um, why do you like rental properties? What do you, what do you, what do you want to get out of a rental property? Appreciate you. Yeah, uh, you, you hit the word exactly correct. What most people say is cash flow. Who wants rental properties for cash flow? Who wants rental properties for cash flow? Who wants rental properties for appreciation? Okay, we got a pretty good mix here. Um, here's what I'm going to say for those of you that want rental properties for cash flow. Um, there actually is no cash flow <laughs> for rental properties. I'm exaggerating, but only a little bit. There's really not cash flow. And, and when I say not cash flow, not real cash flow. If, if you have a property that rents out for $1,600 a month and the mortgage payment PITI is $1,200 a month, what is your cash flow? Zero. Zero. Right? You, you have to take depreciation. You're going to have vacancies. You're going to have repairs. Right? You should always use property management. How many properties should you own before you hire a property manager? Okay, that would be one. <laughs> that would be one. You never want to manage your own property, ever. Yeah, so there's really no cash flow. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I mean, I own $30 million worth of houses. $30 million. I've been doing it for 20 years. If you add, a, add up all the actual net cash flow after all the real expenses, what's left would not pay for a really nice watch that I own. It's just not significant. Now, to some people, it would be somewhat significant, but people always lie when they really look at the cash flow. Like, oh, I'm getting $800 a month cash flow. Great. $800 a month, $800 a month, $800 a month. Oh, new air conditioner, $10,000. Boom. Just wiped out a year's worth of cash flow. So you get caught up. $800 a month, $800 a month, $800. Up. Oh, make ready, $12,000. Just wiped out another little year and a half of cash flow. So you get caught up, get caught up, right? Boom, new roof, <laughs> another $8,500, right? Wipe that another year's for a cash flow. So when you get these rental properties, yeah, they make a little money and then something goes wrong and you lose a little money and then you get a little more money and maybe you make a little money, whatever. It's not going to be like really life-changing, gonna change your life around kind of money. You know, you flip a crappy deal, a crappy flip, makes you 30,000, 50,000, right? An incredible unicorn rental property you're never gonna find might make you 3,000, right? When you really net it over time. So I always say cash flow is a myth. And I'm exaggerating a little bit for effect here, but there's really not a tremendous amount of cash flow that you get from collecting rental properties. So then what is the point? Well, there is a point, there is a point. And the, the others of you that said appreciation, that's the point. Right, so I have a $30 million portfolio. I now owe less than 5 million total debt. Why? Because some of those properties doubled in value and doubled again and doubled again. And then over 20 years, a lot of the mortgages got paid off by the tenants. So thank you very much tenants. So my wealth has grown from owning rental properties. 
if I ever wanted to retire, so I could be on cash flow. It's going to be on a $25 million nest egg because you could probably sit on a beach and drink a lot of margaritas for a long time with a $25 million nest egg. Okay, so, so that's why I always say I love rental properties. I advise everybody to buy rental properties uh, and hold them as long as you can, right? Because it's just a long-term wealth play. Um, but don't expect them to change your life uh, as, you, as you hold on to them, all right? So welcome, everybody. We're just about to start our main meeting. Let me check the clock here again. But um, we're still uh, kind of letting people come and uh, show up. And Timothy, I'm going to pick on you. You're an easy target here. What brings you out tonight? So you are a private money lender. Okay. So you're looking to do some loans. That's nice. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, what are your terms? Conditions of loan. Well, what are the conditions of loan? You're the lender, so what conditions do you make? <laughs> okay. So you're going to underwrite the deal and kind of determine what the terms are. So um, I'm a private money lender, and uh, we have about a thousand private money lenders in this network, and I recommend if you have money, be a private money lender because, you know, if you underwrite the loans, if you do a good job of making a loan, always do first liens only, okay? So you get nice interest and, uh, you know, you get something that's safe. You know, if you're loaning somebody $100,000 to buy a property that's worth $200,000 uh, and you're getting 10% interest or whatever, uh, you're guaranteed to get your money back in your interest or if everything goes wrong, you get a property that's worth more than your money back and your interest. So it's very safe if you underwrite it correctly. Now, I have one golden rule when it comes to lending. We never do second loans, second liens. Loans are created in chronological order. First loan gets first lien, second loan gets second lien, third loan gets third lien. Only do first liens, and that's Phil's golden rule, first liens only. And I did a thousand short sales, thousand short sales, uh, 1,000 out of 1,000 times. What happens if a, if a loan goes bad, the first lien holder gets the property back. What does the second lien holder get? All right. First lien, you're guaranteed to get your money back in interest or you get the property. And if you did your job and you verify the property is worth more, right, than, than the loan plus the interest, you, you made money, right? The second lien gets nothing. That's gambling. And I'm not a gambler. So I'm going to advise you, don't do second liens, handshake liens, uh, you know, unsecured liens, uh, you know, personal lines of credit. Don't, don't do that. Let the banks or somebody else uh, take those risks if they, if they want to. Uh, but private money is typically cheaper than hard money. Hard money lenders are typically companies that are professional lenders that loan money to real estate investors. Typically, it's around 15% interest, and it probably includes some points. Private money is individuals that have money to lend. Private money is more based on the relationship first and the deal second. Hard money is more the deal first and the relationship second. Private money typically is faster and better and cheaper than hard money but it requires a relationship uh, with the money. But if you build a relationship with private money, it's faster, better, cheaper, and you have a competitive advantage. You know, I may be able to do deals that nobody else can do because I can get a lot of money fast. When do all the best deals happen? At the last possible minute, the last possible minute. In Texas, if you don't pay your mortgage, your house goes to the auction on the first Tuesday of the month, rain, shine, holiday or not. It's always first Tuesday. 21 days, that would be three weeks before the first Tuesday, uh, a list of all the houses, the final list of all the houses going to the auction is published at each courthouse in the state. 21 days, three weeks before the auction, all the houses going to foreclosure are published. Three weeks before the auction, if you go and talk to any of those homeowners, they're all ready to sell, right? 
Two weeks before the auction, man, we are in the red zone and out of time. And they're all ready to sell, right? They all wait till the last week. They all wait till the last week. So when do all the best deals happen? The last week. And if you want the best deals, you need to be able to do a deal in a week. You need to be able to do a deal in a day. You can't borrow bank money. You can't even borrow hard money in a day. You can get private money in a day. So private money can give you a competitive advantage because it can give you the ability to do the very best deals, which are always at the very last minute. So um, we're about to start our meeting. Um, again, I'm uh, Phil Grove and um, one of the co-founders of the Texas RIAs. Um, any questions before we start the meeting real quick? Any questions? How, that's a great question. Brilliant question. Thank you for asking that question. How can you predict which properties are going to double in value? It's actually not as hard as you think. Um, all properties go up over time right? Um, it's called inflation, which we also call appreciation, okay? So we like inflation, which we call appreciation. But some go up more than others. And you're going to see, especially when we do the market update in a minute, real estate cares pretty much about one thing, supply and demand. Supply, there's two things, supply and demand. So if you want the highest appreciating properties, you want to buy properties where there's a limited supply and a tremendous amount of demand. Uh, for, uh, for example, uh, inner city, there's no more land to build on, okay? So you have constricted supply, and that's where the most people want to live, growing demand. And in a city like Houston, where the population's growing vastly, right, you have vastly growing demand with constricted supply in certain areas. Now, if you ever want to know where to not build, a pretty good tool is Google Satellite View. You can give me the address of any house. I can look at a house from space and tell you whether or not it would make a good rental property. And what could I possibly see from space? And the answer is buildable land. If you ever buy and hold real estate anywhere near where they're still building houses, the value of that house cannot go up any more than construction costs go up because you're competing with the builder. So it's make versus buy. Do construction costs go up? A tiny bit. Well, you're not going to get wealthy with a tiny little cost of living adjustment. You want to get properties double in value, double again. So if you go to areas that are primarily inner city, where there is virtually no more land to build on, and the population's growing vastly, now you have vastly growing demand and no more supply. And those are the properties double in value, double. And we've been doing this for 20 years, and we've developed some animated heat maps where I can show all the major metropolitan cities in Texas, and I can literally show, and you can zoom in or zoom out all the way down to the street level, and I can show appreciation rate by location. And what you're going to see is it's bubbles around the downtown areas that grow over time, right? The highest appreciation is the closest in, and then you can see these bubbles expanding out from the center. So don't buy rental properties out in the sticks. That's the answer to that question. Texas's largest real estate investor association at TexasStarterKit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at TexasStarterKit.com.